Welcome to Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. Here's to Your Health discusses the current thinking and wellness, bringing you the most influential thinkers in beauty, fitness, and longevity. Your host, Joshua Lane, was part of the Dr. Ann Wigmore team that helped bring wheatgrass, sprouts, and raw foods to a worldwide audience. And now the host of Here's to Your Health, Joshua Lane. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. The question of relationships, uh, you know, the ideas of money, of career, possessions, you know, there are many things that uh, make up our life, that uh, make up life circumstances, and there's a question of how do we successfully navigate what goes on in our life. These are important questions. Our guest is Beth Bell, and Beth Bell is the author of a new book called Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, and it discusses really her life story and also what we can do to uh, tap into our inner wisdom, to take responsibility for life circumstances. It's uh, an important topic. Again, uh, Beth Bell is our guest. The book is Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics. Beth Bell, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you. Beth, I'm happy to have you on. The title of your book, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, is certainly provocative. It's a, it's a very uh, interesting title. And I understand that psychedelics have now been receiving a lot of positive press, uh, I guess, or from, based on studies from the scientific community, that indeed psychedelics might indeed be helpful for people who have suffered, I guess, terrible trauma. Is that the focus, really, of your studies? Well, it's an interesting question, and I just do want to comment on the title because I've gotten a lot of pushback and, and interesting comments about angels, herpes, and psychedelics. And they do all actually fit together, leading up to what I would have never, ever thought that I would be talking about, which is psychedelics, because I was always a no-go on any form of drugs other than the occasional use of alcohol. And I come from Big Pharma, which is also an interesting dichotomy. So when this all conspired with the universe for me to try plant-based medicines, I was actually quite shocked myself that I was that I was jumping into this. But it has been the most amazing experience when it comes to spirituality, awakening, and expanding consciousness. So to answer your question, there is a trauma component, but you don't necessarily have to have suffered trauma consciously to have a benefit from psychedelics. So they really can help people unravel their mind, which is basically unraveling the storylines that are causing the suffering in life. All right. Our guest is Beth Bell, author of a new book with the provocative title, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics. Now, Miss Bell, what's, there seem to be you know, many psychedelics available. What psychedelics do you have you studied successfully and you feel have shown to have merit? Well, I think it's an interesting question because for everyone, there's a different thing that might be right for them at a different point in time. So to answer the question more specifically, I would say that there's a lot of research right now being done on MDMA. There's a lot of research being done on psilocybin, which is known as magic mushrooms. So there's there's different uh, different things that happen with, with each psychedelic. Some are plant-based, some are synthesized. Um, LSD has been available for years and years and years. And with the war on drugs back in the 60s and 70s, Unfortunately, a lot of the data, a lot of the science behind it that was collected was destroyed simply because there was a, a negative narrative happening. And I really feel that this is the time that we need to shift that narrative around psychedelics and recognizing them as awakening agents, helping people to get out of the suffering. So I don't think it would be fair for me to pinpoint one particular psychedelic and say, this is the best one for all people, or this is the best for this, because each one has a different mechanism of action and how they work in the brain receptors. Um, each person comes to a psychedelic experience with a different mindset, and so set and setting are really, really key aspects of, of partaking in a psychedelic, whether it's a, a spiritual ceremony or it's in a, a, a clinical setting where you've got, you know, like healthcare professionals sitting with you. And there is actually a psychedelic that is approved and on the market right now, which is ketamine. 
So there are currently ketamine clinics, and they have FDA approval. They're traded on the New York and Toronto Stock Exchange. Um, they have data and science that support the reduction of suicidal ideation, um, anxiety, PTSD. There's a ton of research on uh, vets and PTSD. Uh, Rick Doblin is the founder of MAPS. He's been around for decades now, and he's doing a tremendous amount of research and proper clinical trials looking at MDMA and psilocybin to help reduce the suffering. Our guest is Beth Bell, author of a new book, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics. Uh, Miss Bell, what prompted you uh, as, a, as a mature woman to investigate this subject of the use of these, uh, broadly speaking, psychedelics? Well, coming from a no-go drug policy in my own mind, uh, I had a friend that had been diagnosed with, with breast cancer. It was her second bout of cancer, and she did MDMA, and it changed the entire trajectory of her, her disease, and she's cancer-free today. She offered to me to try, and I said, no, you know, I'm really not interested because I had done such a plethora of modalities and and uh, spiritual um, things that helped me to release all my limiting, limiting beliefs, and I thought the last thing I want to do is, is lose all the hard work that I've spent. So I had a lot of resistance to it, or just not, I wasn't open to it. And then I had an interview with uh, Louis Schwartzberg, who's a famous time-lapse cinematographer. He did the fantastic fungi uh, documentary. And so he wanted to talk about mushrooms, and I wanted to talk about flowers, because I'm a flower whisperer and very much connected to nature. And uh, it was really some of his words, along with the words of my friend, that opened my receptivity to the idea that, hmm, maybe psychedelics could actually help me to embody some of these intellectual spiritual concepts that I had in a way that I could live them in such a deeper, more profound way in my life. And so that's really what sort of tipped me over to say, you know, I am going to try this. And I started with something called San Pedro, which is a cactus. And when we look back and we see that indigenous tribes have used uh, plant-based medicines for, for centuries and centuries, and so the knowledge and the wisdom has been around for a very long time. So while for some it may feel new, it's actually something very ancient, and it's wisdom that comes from our ancestral lineage. Our guest is Beth Bell, author of Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, a, a new book that talks about uh, growth, you know, emotional growth, and how we can actually navigate uh, life's travails uh, more successfully. Uh, so, Beth, you actually tried, have you tried MDMA, or have you tried ketamine? I have tried several several different things, and all of them in a, a very proper set and setting, um, a spiritual ceremony. Um, it, I, I talk about my experiences in the book. Um, I give very specific uh, details as to what happened to me and how it transformed me um, at a time in my life where I actually felt very expansive and very grounded in who I am and my spirituality, but it took it to an entirely new level. And I feel now that, that I'm really here to help, as I said before, shift the narrative around psychedelics as awakening agents and not the war on drugs that a lot of us have really fell into from the 60s and 70s. So it's a, it's a new time and a new era to experience ourselves, our higher self, our soul plan from, I like to say, a God's eye view, and I don't mean that necessarily from a religious standpoint, but literally from a higher dimension so that we can get out of all of the details of the mind and the suffering that it causes with all the storylines that we, we think we are and we think that make us who we are when that's not at all who we really, really are. Our guest is Beth Bell, and as you, as listeners to the show, we're talking about some, these are very important concepts. So, Beth, you uh, feel that with the proper set and setting, that that various substances can be used successfully, and it, it so can, can, am I oversimplifying by saying gives people insight, and therefore they just, they just feel better about their life? I mean, it's, it's a concept for me, because I also, like you, am anti-drug. Uh, you know, working with a therapist is one thing, but the drug thing, I always thought, well, that's, that's fun, it's recreational, you know, and maybe there's a place for it, but I didn't understand how there could be any kind of growth in that. 
I wasn't really sure as a young man, and now as an older man like you, I also am anti-drug because I see what happens when people use substances uh, in ways in which they are maybe partying, but really it's just not a good idea for them. So what type of set and setting do you recommend, and do you feel that these psychedelics indeed have a place? Yeah, they definitely have a place. I think that individuals should feel called. Uh, I don't think anyone should feel forced or pressured or I'm doing this because my friends are doing this. Um, the, the set and setting is so critical um, to be in a safe space with practitioners who understand the medicines, who have sat with the medicines, are the best place to be. A party and all of that is not at all what I'm talking about, and I know you're not suggesting that either, but I just really want to make that point to viewers that it's something that you are called to and it's something that you want to be setting an intention for. So going into a ceremony, you want to have clear intentions of what you want to get out of it, and it can be as as simple as suffering. I want to get out of the suffering of this story, whatever that story is for someone, and a a little bit more on the, the science behind it. Um, what psychedelics are able to do is they're able to quiet the default mode network in the mind. They're able to get your mind to be quiet so that you can hear your soul speak. And that's when you start to see, oh, this is my soul plan. Oh, that's why that happened. And your ability to really understand that you are the creator of your life and that you've called in people, places, things to help you experience who you really are and get into an expanded state of consciousness so that you can live life in the flow and in bliss and in ease. That's what psychedelics does. It gives you, I like to say that psychedelics give you a North Star. It gives you that, that point that you're headed to, that, 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 that God-like place, that oneness, that, that everything is bliss and love place. And then you come back and you do the work. So it gives you that point that you're looking for, that place, that place of ultimate nirvana and bliss. And it helps you know that you already are that. And the only thing holding you back from that are the stories of the mind and the external environment that keep cultivating and the social and mental thought constructs that keep bombarding you with well, this is the way it should be, this is the way you should be, this is the way you should think, this is how you should fit in, and it stops us from listening to our soul and our soul's guidance because we feel that we might be an outlier or we might not be accepted when we really start listening to the soul and we get that ego mind in the back seat and we put the soul in the driver's seat, that's when the doors fly wide open and life becomes easy and filled with grace. And that's where... A lot of people right now are on their knees saying, there's got to be another way, because COVID was tough. <laughs> Everything around the, the viruses was tough. It's still tough. And this provides an opening. But again, I'm not saying this is for everyone. I think you want and need to be on the journey of expansion. You want, you want to come into this with an idea that you want to learn. Because you'll be showing things about yourself, you'll be showing things about other relationships, and you'll learn um, in the right set and setting, and you'll integrate. So it's, it's just the start. And then it's the integration and doing the work on the ground in life every day, and we start to expand because the storylines of the mind start to quiet. And that's really the sweet spot, and that's what I think psychedelics can do is give you that shortcut. I went through 20-plus years of like intense spiritual... Uh, you know, spiritual uh, journey with modalities and techniques and tips and tools, and, and I love all of those, and I encourage people to do those as well because they help build the foundation to integrate what psychedelics shows you, but psychedelics give you a shortcut. They give you that North Star. They help you see the way back to your soul's plan. Our guest is Beth Bell. Beth is the author of uh, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, and uh, talking about a North Star seems very good, and, and Beth... We have uh, the, the question I really have for you is, is it the sense of community that these psychedelics give a person? 
that helps. After all, you're recommending the use of psychedelics in a, in a clinical situation or a controlled situation, which seems great, especially if you have guides around you. But my question is, and I don't want to sound cynical, but my question is, can a veteran who has seen terrible things in battle or a woman who has been sexually assaulted, can these medications, if they're medications, really help to overcome these enormous traumas? That, that's really the question I have. Yes, unequivocally, without a doubt, yes. All right. All right. So obviously you have experience with this, and I'm just asking this as broad questions because, you know, we have a lot of veterans who suffer, and we also have a large percentage of American women who have been sexually assaulted, and that just seems to crush their spirits. You know, it just Mm -hmm. destroys them. And so I guess any modality with the community behind it would be helpful. Beth, listen, we're running out of time. How can listeners of Here's to Your Health contact you and purchase your new book, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics? Well, if they go to Beth Bell, B-E-T-H-P-E-L-L dot me, M-E, they can find uh, my 11-minute intro. I read the introduction of the book. They can get the overview. If they sign up for the tribe, subscribe to the tribe, they can get the first two chapters free on audio and, and PDF form. And they can also buy it directly from the website or on Amazon. So it's available on all all channels now. Well, thank you very much. Our, our guest has been Beth Bell. And Beth is the author of a new book, Angels, Herpes, and Psychedelics, talking about important subjects, uh, how we can really grow and heal from trauma and injury and have great life. It seems like a, a very valuable topic. And there seems to be a lot of discussion about the therapeutic use of uh, uh MDMA, of ketamine, of LSD, of uh, some of the mushroom products that people find effective. It seems to be a whole new area of, of uh, science opening up. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. Most American diets are low in cold water fish that are abundant in important omega-3 oils. DHA and EPA are the vital components of fish oil that provide healthy benefits. Not only are they crucial for brain and vision development, they're very important for cardiovascular health. Carlson, America's leading Norwegian fish oil brand, specializes in both great-tasting soft gels that are easy to swallow and fish oil liquids that don't taste fishy. That's right, Carlson provides the most extensive line of fish oils to meet all your needs. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence. For Carlson fish oils are tested for purity, potency, and freshness. Ask for Carlson Norwegian Fish Oils today. That's right. Ask for Carlson Norwegian Fish Oils today. Aloe Life for beautiful skin. Locks in the moisture plus contains a natural growth factor. Aloe Life is America's premium aloe vera brand. Richest in the active ingredients you need to get the full benefit of aloe vera. For healthier looking skin. More beautiful skin from Aloe Life. Naturally clear skin. Look for Aloe Life. Aloe Life Juice Concentrate and Skin Gel work together. Sold nationally at your favorite natural food store and pharmacy. And note, there's a big difference in aloe products. Friends, people ask me, why does Aloe Life Concentrate or tablets support body wellness? And I tell them what Aloe Life products do for my family. Everything from digestion to skin support and healthier energy too. Aloe Life for body wellness support. Go to AlloLife.com or call 1-800-414-ALLOE. Aloe Life, call 800-414-2563. Naturally clear skin, number one in aloe, Aloe Life. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. And the discussion of insurance is not a discussion that most people really are thrilled to listen to, but as adults, we do recognize the importance of being properly insured uh, for your home, for your car, personal. And so today, I'm very happy to say we have Karen Collins. And uh, Karen is going to discuss with us, you know, living with wildfires and how to prepare 
uh, to make sure that indeed if something happens, uh, we are covered. Uh, Karen Collins, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Thank you. So great to be here. Yeah, thank you for being on. And now again, and so Karen, uh, you represent uh, the, uh, what is the insurance company that you work with? Uh, American Property Casualty Insurance Association. So is that a consortium of uh, insurance carriers? It is. We're the largest property and casualty insurance trade association with over 1,200 member companies nationwide. And we represent about 60% of the property and casualty insurance written in the U.S. And so one thing about the insurance people that everyone kind of respects is because they've got to pay when damage occurs, they seem to be very good at assessing uh, what things cost and what the risk is. Now, as the risk with wildfires has increased, what has your insurance association done about that? We have been trying to educate on these trends, including not just the financial costs, but the change in the environmental conditions that are leading to more wildfires so that we can learn to live with wildfire and be financially prepared. Right. And because of the clout of the insurance industry, what is it, what is it that you recommend that we do as homeowners and also a further question, what do you recommend as far as legislation on the whole issue? You know, we have three top tips that we recommend for preparedness for wildfire. Um, number one, five foot zone. We are strongly encouraging folks to create a five foot ignition resistant zone around your home. Clear debris off your roof and gutters and remove all those combustible items like vegetation, furniture, firewood piles even, from within that first five feet of the house, including those items you might normally store under your deck. Number two, financial preparedness. Update your insurance policy. Construction costs are way up, so call and make sure you have the right kind and amount of insurance coverage. And three, home inventories. Create a home inventory using your smartphone. Take a video of each room in your home, listing out the different items that are in that and save that footage virtually so you have it in the event a loss does occur. Now, again, uh, uh, our guest is Karen Collins and Karen Collins is the Assistant Vice President uh, in Personal Lines in the Policy Research and International Division uh, for the American Property Casualty Insurance Association. And they're big. Uh, that's the APCIA, and they're the largest property and casualty insurance trade association. They have more than 1,200 members, member companies nationwide. Uh, Karen, you know, removing debris around the home for up to five feet, I mean, that all sounds very good. Is it legal, by the way, to record our home property on a cell phone? Does that stand up as, you know, a legal document? You know, I, I think that's probably going to maybe, I don't speak to the legal laws with each state, but generally you are needing to provide documentation to your insurance company in the claims process to help identify what items you are submitting for reimbursement on as you replace those items that are damaged or lost in a wildfire. So having a record of that, whether it's through photographs or video footage, is to help trigger what are the items that you had. One of the most devastating things with a wildfire is so often we see things that are completely burned out of sight. And that becomes a very emotional process to identify after the loss, everything that you own to then request. So having a record of that, that you can then use to identify the items that you own for your insurance company is really a helpful and invaluable resource. No, it really, it really does. And also, I, I don't have any direct personal experience, but I'm guessing that you being in the insurance business, you know, you've seen people who literally had their entire house burned down, all the family photographs, all the important documents, everything is burned up. And that must be, you know, amazingly upsetting, an experience that it's very difficult to overcome. Uh, so I guess, I, so if a person loses all records, then what happens? So if you've lost all of your belongings, then those that can be replaced, that's what the insurance financial coverage to help you with is to replace all of these items. But you need to let your insurance company know what you're needing to replace based on what you had previously. So that's where that documentation is, is very beneficial to 
produce that sort of, of, of a list. Right. And when we're discussing wildfires, I guess wildfires have been occurring in the western part of the United States. But these ideas that you discuss, they apply all over the country, do they not? Absolutely. Having a home inventory is, is beneficial with any natural disaster, whether it be a tornado, a hurricane, a wildfire, a flood. Wildfire is a little bit unique in that often there may be nothing left when everything is fully lost. Um, so it, it's particularly important in the wildfire space to, to have those available to you, as well as having the financial protection in place so that you can go ahead and, and replace each of those items. So that policy review and, and making sure your coverages are up to date, not just for rebuilding of the home, but for your personal belongings, all of that works together to make the recovery process easier. And so in general, do you literally suggest, especially these days when, you know, the climate does seem very, uh, you know, changeable, Theoretically, as homeowners, is it a kind of smart move to contact our insurance agent every year for, for additional policy uh, increases? For example, you did mention that the cost of uh, you know, rebuilding a home has gone way up. So how do, we, how do we prepare for that in our insurance policy? Absolutely. Historically, we've always recommended an annual policy review to, to sit down with your agent, go through your coverages and your coverage limits. But Inflation has been so significant that you may not want to wait for the annual policy review, certainly if you haven't done one in some time. Reconstruction costs jumped 44% in the last two years from December 2019 to December 2021. And lumber costs, they're still up over 50% from just the beginning of the pandemic. So these are issues that can lead to, unfortunately, underinsurance if you haven't taken the steps in advance of a, a loss, a fire, whatever the disaster is to make sure your coverage is in place. The things that we recommend specifically that you bring up with your insurance agent or company is ask what your policy covers. Is it replacement costs, which will cover items being replaced at market price or actual cash value, which takes depreciation into account and pays less for aged items. Understand if you've made any changes to your home through improvements, you know, a, a kitchen remodel or a new work from home space add-on Make sure the square footage and the materials of your home are, are current and reflected in your policy. Talk about some of the optional coverage features that you can add to your policy to make your coverage more robust. A couple of quick examples are extended replacement cost um, endorsements. Those will, if you have a really large catastrophe event in your region, often we see what's called demand surge where everyone's fighting to get you know, access to the materials and the skilled labor needed to rebuild, and that can push the cost up even higher. So an extended replacement cost uh, endorsement can give you an extra buffer of, of coverage to absorb that. Similarly, a lot of states are passing new building codes um, or energy ordinances. Think of from an energy ordinance, solar panels. There's a lot of push for, for, for solar efficiency and, and green initiatives. Similarly, in the wildfire space, or some states are adopting new, you know, indoor fire sprinkler requirements. So all of these can be additional costs that you have to cover to be able to rebuild in some of these regions. And so increasing coverage to adjust for those is, is really beneficial. Right, right. Karen, those are all very interesting ideas that I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that many of my listeners really haven't thought about the whole idea of new technology as in solar panels. And so how would we protect ourselves to make sure if we need to rebuild a house that the solar panels will be included? What's, what's the additional rider that we put on the policy? That would be increasing or adding ordinance coverage to your policy. May, many companies may include it by default, but may have a, a basic amount of coverage. We are seeing solar panels can add anywhere from 50 to 75,000 or higher in, in additional cost, depending on the individual state and locality. Um, so look at some of those and, and understand what are the costs, you know, locally if I had to, you know, rebuild it. Much of our, our Western states are wildfire states. These are a lot of communities that were built decades ago. So bringing these homes up to newer codes, um, can have an additional expense that we don't necessarily think about. Um, wildfire risk is, is unfortunately, it's growing the, the issues of hotter and drier temperatures and climate, the, the, the drought conditions that we're seeing throughout the Western US is making the exposure much higher. We're seeing that with all of these states that are having 
new, large, catastrophic events that we didn't see even just five years ago. So it is important that we focus on these issues today because we are still seeing this risk increasing and we want to become more resilient and be able to adapt to live with these fires that are occurring more frequently. Oh, nicely said. Our guest is Karen Collins, and Karen is the Assistant Vice President of Personal Lines in the Policy, the Research, and the International Division uh, for American Property Casualty Insurance Association, and that's the uh, APCA, APCIA, and that is the largest property and casualty insurance trade association. They have more than 1,200 member companies nationwide. You know, this is an important topic, insurance. And I always like to kind of kid, uh, you know, insurance people in that, you know, it's a dry subject. No one really wants to chat with you until, of course, they need to speak to you because they realize, you know, the house burned down or some, something terrible has occurred. And then they realize how adults recognize you need insurance. You just, you don't want it, but you know you need insurance. Karen, how can the listeners of Here's to Your Health contact you to find out more about making sure that they have proper insurance coverage. So we recommend that you reach out to your agent or your individual company and ask them to do a, a policy review with you to go through what your individual limits are and the type of coverage. You don't want to learn those details after a loss has happened and be caught surprised that maybe you don't have the right coverage in place. Um, we, we encourage, you know, if you've got family members, particularly those in the retirement years, make sure they're maintaining their homeowner insurance policies even after the mortgage has been paid off. Check with those loved ones to make sure they're continuing to be covered. Renters as well, they can lose everything in a fire just like homeowners. So we, we recommend, you know, many auto insurers will bundle renters insurance coverage with your auto insurance policy for very affordable prices. And, and your insurance company will be able to walk you through all of the options that they have available to you. And again, this is to focus on financial preparedness, but most important is focus on ways to avoid the loss to begin with. These are traumatic events. And if we can reduce our risk to prevent those losses, we want to make a special attention on, on the steps to, to mitigate against that to prevent your home from, from being able to ignite as well. Yes, I completely agree. I'd like to thank Karen Collins, who has just been our guest on Here's to Your Health. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's an important topic, insurance. Uh, it's a little dry as adults who recognize, okay, we need to have insurance. And so we do, we have insurance. And, uh, you know, Karen's discussing with us, prepare for these uh, wildfires that occur and uh, also make sure you have proper coverage. It is an important topic. And I'd like to uh, thank Karen Collins for being a guest today on Here's to Your Health. Uh, we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. And most American diets are low in important omega-3 oils. Omega-3 oils are the vital components of fish that provide numerous health benefits. Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems supply concentrated amounts of these omega-3 oils that are needed to support vision, brain function, and a healthy heart. Each great-tasting Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gem Soft Gel contains 1,250 milligrams of fish oil from deep cold water fish. That supplies a full 800 milligrams of omega-3s, all in only one easy-to-swallow soft gel. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence, for they are tested for purity, potency, and freshness by an independent FDA-registered laboratory. Ask for Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems at your favorite natural food retailer today. Hello Life Skin Gel and Herbs Concentrate, organically grown aloe vera used by makeup artists working with Hollywood's most beautiful actors. Alolife Skin Gel looks great on your face and quickly soothes your skin, hands and feet, even blisters. Plus, Alolife Skin Gel and Herbs is Hollywood's secret. Available at natural food stores and pharmacies nationwide, online and at Sprouts, Clark's, Mother's and Whole Foods. Alolife Skin Gel and Skin Gel and Herbs, a great way to keep your skin healthy and beautiful inside and out. Alolife America's premium aloe vera brand and loved by your skin. 
Hollywood Secret, now available nationwide, more beautiful skin, aloe life. Give them a call at 1-800-414-ALOE. That's 1-800-414-2563. The very best in aloe, aloe life. Welcome to this edition of Here is to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. I'm happy to say that Samantha Crow, uh, who is the manager of science education for the group uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, known as PETA, who, by the way, I have on regularly because I support their excellent work. And I would like to say that uh, today, you know, uh, in 2022, uh, most Americans and maybe people around the world recognize uh, how we enjoy our companion animals, dogs, cats, birds, everything that we enjoy, and how they have uh, certain rights. And we've understood now our understanding is different than it was when Ingrid Newkirk found the organization in 1980 when people thought it was more of a fringe or even a silly idea about animal welfare. And now, in my opinion, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, is the preeminent organization that has brought this thinking into, I would, I'm happy to think, mainstream consciousness. People understand now about the importance of taking care of our companion animals. So it's a great pleasure to have Samantha Crow on the show today. And Samantha is the manager of science education for PETA. And the discussion is how we can use more science in studying animals, that is, in modern animal-free dissection methods, which we're using in schools around the United States. An important topic. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, happy to have you on. I strongly support the work of PETA. It just seems remarkably important. And also, PETA has been successful in that the ideas are, I think, mainstream now. Americans uh, support these ideas of uh, you know, cruelty-free techniques. So what is it that new science brings to the schools the high schools and the universities that PETA suggests we use rather than dissecting frogs or cats or other things that we used to use when I went to high school? Yeah, thank you so much. That's a great question. So non-animal dissection methods can include interactive digital dissection software, you know, which obviously would then be aligned with the science standards. Um, there also are dissectable synthetic models like SynFrog, so it's a synthetic frog. Um, there are simulated experiments, you know, experiments with drugs and heart rate and genetics labs and, you know, those sorts of things. And importantly, studies show that students who use humane dissection methods outperform their peers who dissected animals. All right. Well, listen, this, so- this sounds good to me. I remember as a high school student, first of all, hating the smell of formaldehyde, which I think made half the class sick. I remember that. And also it seemed, you know, I wasn't used to that doing, I didn't really enjoy it. And that was a very long time ago. Uh, And now I guess more and more students recognize, no, we don't want to do that. And do you feel that these new, I'll use the word digital models, do they teach as well as cutting into a cadaver? Actually, they teach better. So we just published, I was a co-author on a systematic review paper that was just published in the American Biology Teacher Journal. And our our paper showed that in 95% of studies, students at all educational levels scored as well as or better in the majority of the cases when they used non-animal methods instead of dissecting animals. You know, medical schools no longer use animals for dissection. So clearly, middle and high school students don't need to dissect animals either. Right, right. I, you know, I did not realize that medical schools were not using animal dissection. Now, that really seems like a very good thing. And so they're moving to the digital model. Is it because there's just, is it, is it, do the students learn more? Is it a cost-saving thing? What do you think it is? Well, yes, I think there are many reasons, you know, uh, specifically uh, on the medical school point, you know, the, the idea there is obviously to, you know, heal human bodies, right, to, to treat diseases in human bodies. So why waste time cutting apart a frog and then trying to, you know, sort of 
somehow convert that information, you know, apply it to the human body, you know, and then, you know, move, moving forward, you know, with that sort of educational path, right? It, it seems a little silly, doesn't it? You know, to, to study frogs, to learn about humans. So <laughs> it's, you know, but, but dissection is also, you know, really in direct conflict with most young people's natural instincts to help animals. You know, it teaches students all the wrong lessons. It normalizes animal abuse and also, you know, helps desensitize students, you know, and, and students who, who are interested in science, as I mentioned, can be deterred, you know, from pursuing careers in science because of, you know, an animal dissection. But also we are doing a disservice to our students who might go on to medical school by not showing them high tech, high quality, interactive, cutting edge dissection or experimental, you know, simulations, because that is what they will be using in medical school. Right. Right. Samantha, our guest is Samantha Crow, who's the manager of science education for the organization People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, who really, they actually, PETA claims to have 9.5 million members and supporters. It's a remarkably powerful and important organization that has done some very good work uh, since it was founded in 1980. Uh, Samantha, what was it that prompted you well, you're, you're the manager of science education for PETA. So what was it that prompted you to promote these ideas? And was PETA behind these ideas? How did PETA get involved with this science education in, in a, in my opinion, a, a more contemporary fashion? Yeah, that's a great question. So PETA has always had a campaign to end, you know, classroom animal dissection. Um, you know, I've been with PETA for almost 13 years now, wow. you know, and, and as the largest animal rights organization in the world, you know, we, we do have a lot of people, a lot of, you know, activists, a lot of volunteers, and then of course, you know, our staff. And, you know, it, it is our mission to, you know, help, help everyone understand that animals are here with us, not for us. They are not ours to use. And this includes, you know, everything from clothing and food and, you know, even in classroom, you know, like in science classes. So, you know, again, animals are here with us, not for us, and they are not here for us to use. But even if people don't care about animals, the educational efficacy stats really speak for themselves. There is also a cost savings with using digital dissection over repeatedly purchasing animals. There's, you know, the ethical concern about killing millions of animals every year. And so, you know, it, all of those things really come together to make a very cogent argument as to why animal dissection should end. Right. Our guest is Samantha Crow. Uh, Samantha is the manager of science education for the organization PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. So, Samantha, you mentioned uh, animals being dissected each year. Based on your studies, how many animals are used for classroom dissection each year? So more than 10 million animals. 10 that million. is a big number. That's more a big than number. 10 million wow. animals are mm -hmm. used for classroom dissection in the U.S. every year. That is, you know, just, just I, could, it's, I think it's shocking for most people to hear that. They just didn't realize how large a scale that was. Now, I'm guessing that that business was rather entrenched. So I'm guessing that, that those businesses that were selling dogs or cats or pigs or mice to the uh, high schools and, and universities uh, don't want to give that up. So have they been able to, I mean, what has PETA done so that, you know, we're moving toward this less, uh, uh, I don't know, What's the word for it? You know, just bet, maybe just better science. So what is it that PETA has been able to do to move in this direction, to, to make the universities and the, and the high schools move in this direction, which I'm sure has not been easy? Yeah, you know, it, it's, sometimes it is easy. Sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, explaining the facts, showing the information, and, you know, finding out what will ring true for, you know, the person you're speaking with. Um, you know, probably similar, you know, to, to, you know, being on the air, you, you know, you, you want to connect with people. So, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, touting the economic benefits of using humane non-animal dissection methods would, 
you know, ring true for them. Perhaps it's the ethics. Perhaps it's the formaldehyde exposure. You know, so sometimes it can be really easy. But, yeah, we have an array of campaigns, you know, to help end animal dissection. We work with educators and students. We help modernize teaching practices. We have a dissection pilot program that's underway. We also work with administration on humane education policies. And we help students navigate opting out of animal dissection. Right. Right. And also, if I can say this, you know, uh, I, I remember back in the 60s and 70s, the word consciousness was used uh, quite a bit. And that word is it's a good word, but maybe a better word is understanding. And I am actually, on a personal level, just surprised that PETA has been able to make these important ideas about how we humans see dogs and cats and other animals and how that information and how PETA's uh, perspective has become really mainstream. I never could have predicted that, you know, back in the 70s or 80s. I just, I, and I guess the information is just so good, the more people hear it, the more they realize, well, that makes perfect sense. That doesn't seem particularly radical at all. Uh, it, is, it, it is impressive to me, really, I, on a personal level, how much... PETA has accomplished. I really am very pleased with that. And just to go back to this, uh, 10 million animals per year are used in classroom dissections. And the question is, where do these animals come from? That is a great question. Um, and, I, and I do want to say, you know, as you mentioned, PETA, you know, we have, I have amazingly brilliant colleagues who work tirelessly to help animals. You know, and it is such a such a mission, you know, such a such a powerful, you know, position to be in to influence, you know, folks for generations to come mm -hmm. and not influencing in like, you know, any sort of weird, you know, political way. Right. We're, right. You know, we're talking about understanding that animals have rights, understanding that they are, you know, that they can feel pain. They can avoid painful, you know, stimuli and that, that we, you know, can be. They're caretakers, but in general, we also are, you know, should, we should not interfere with their lives because they they have their own lives that they value very much. Um, so, you know, really, I, I, I do want to just give a shout out to all of my colleagues at PETA. And I, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed sometimes just thinking about all the good work, you know, that everyone does. And it's it's just amazing. Um, and I'm sorry because I forgot the first part of your question. <laughs> no, that's okay. I I, I, re I liked your answer. And also, again, uh, you know, I, my one of my gifts is I I cannot uh, predict the future. I don't have some people have that ability. I I really can't. Uh, but it really is a very impressive to me in a good way that these ideas, which I thought had merit back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, you know, so now most people think, oh, yeah, of course, that seems like a good idea. That doesn't seem particularly radical in any way. And Peter in my opinion, based on all the years I've been reading the literature, is the organization that is most responsible for having people understand, listen, if you see someone kicking a dog or hitting a cat or hitting a horse, you know, back in 1970, people would have said, oh, that's not good, and they would have gone about their business. But now they say, no, we won't allow that, and we're going to call uh, the authorities, and we're going to report that person because that is just simply not acceptable. And, and Peter... Other groups certainly important, but PETA is the one that's really done this good work. Samantha, we have a, a couple of minutes left. How can listeners of Here's to Your Health, or by the way, our guest is Samantha Crow, who's the manager of science education for the organization People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Samantha, how can we contact you to find out more about your good work? Yeah, so our email is info at teachkind.org. Um, you know, listeners can also go to PETA.org slash dissection, where they can join the movement, you know, to end animal dissection. They're easy to follow action steps for teachers and parents and students. And, you know, we, we need all hands on deck. You know, we want everyone to learn about humane science education and, you know, help further this movement. Right, and the movement is called, it's PETA's Replacing Animals in Science Education, or the RAISE movement. And uh, so how exactly is PETA helping? Are you donating some of these uh, interactive science uh, modules to the schools? Absolutely. You know, we have, we have many, many campaigns, one of which is our dissection pilot program. We have donated 
digital dissection software to schools around the country. We've also donated the synthetic dissectable frogs um, called SynFrog to you know schools around the country. So you know we we are definitely poised to help any school district uh, and or educator and or school who is ready to you know to fully embrace humane science education. And we'd love for you to check out teachkind.org also, which is our humane education division. It's the website for teachers. And you know, made, our staff is made up of former educators. And this is where teachers can find free worksheets and curricula and lesson plans. So definitely check that out as well. I'd like to thank our guest, Samantha Crow, who's the manager of science education for the organization People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. It's a very, very good group. And I'm always happy when Peter is on because they always have various aspects of, of animal welfare that really, you know, just seem on point. They are a very good organization. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after these important messages. The latest from the greatest, the best in new music by classic rockers, with your host, the insane Daryl Wayne. This is Alice Cooper, and if Daryl Wayne is insane, what does that make me criminally insane? Stick around to find out. Many of the artist interviews for the latest from the greatest have been captured on audiobook. There is a volume one and volume two. Great information and conversations with people in the industry and people surrounded by the industry, and of course, the rock stars themselves. I'm the Reverend Al Green, and you're listening to the insane Daryl Wayne. And I said, Wayne Insane. You can find it on Amazon or Blackstone Audio. Search for the latest from the greatest from Daryl Wayne, D-A-R-R-E-L-L-W-A-Y-N-E. Hello, this is Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the insane Daryl Wayne, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. If you have any questions about the guests or topics discussed tonight, please give us a call at 818-707-0005. That number is 818-707-0005. This is Josh Lane. On behalf of the cast and crew, I would like to wish you a healthy and safe good evening.